If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back, everybody. It's Thursday, February 22nd, 2024. Born on this date in 1918, the late baseball team honored Charlie Finley of Birmingham. In 1966, former Miss Alabama Russia Riggs. Now, also on this date, in 1893, Auburn won the first Iron Bowl with a 32-22 win in Birmingham. wasn't called the Iron Bowl back then. Now, today, we're going to try to do something a little different. We have two segments. One, the first one, will be the usual news briefing that we've been doing for years. Then, if everything happens as it should, we'll go to a brief break, come back, and reporter Amy Yerkinen will join us. Amy's covered statewide health care issues in Alabama for years, and she's on top of the fallout around the Alabama Supreme Court ruling that essentially said, under current state law, a human embryo is treated legally as a child. There's background, meaning, and effects of that ruling that she'll go over, assuming you want to go a little deeper than the Daily Show's headline and punchline. Now, for example, UAB hit the pause button yesterday on in vitro fertilization over prosecution fears. John Hammontree spoke with Amy about those things. John's the podcast host of The Reckon Interview, and he's helped us out on production stuff here. Now, we're not going to do this every day, at least not in the near future, but we do plan to work toward being able to offer more second segment pieces, whether it's a straight interview or a talk show style conversation or just longer segments like the explainer bits that Jonathan Soboleski used to do. Now, anytime we do stuff like this, your feedback's appreciated. Not required, but appreciated. We'll see where we go from here. For now, let's get on to some news. My name's Ike Morgan, and we're down in Alabama. It is undoubtedly a new era for Alabama football fans, says Captain Obvious. Coach Nick Saban is retired. Radio voice of the Tide, Eli Gold, is out. But we checked, and the team will still wear crimson, the sun will still rise in the east, and Dreamland will still give you that white bread to sop up the extra barbecue sauce with. Meanwhile, Gold has made it clear that his parting with the school does not mean he's retiring reports AL.com's Michael Casagrande. Now, there are no details on, on his future yet. News broke Wednesday that he'll not be behind the mic for the Crimson Tide come football season. He had returned last year to broadcast Alabama home games after taking off the 2022 season while treating cancer. Now, he said the university chose not to bring him back and that he's plenty healthy enough to call ball games. Chris Stewart will be taking over football play-by-play duties. He calls men's basketball games and covered football in Gold's absence. He's been with the broadcast network since 1998. Alabama Attorney General Steve Marshall has asked the state Supreme Court to set a date for what would be the nation and state's second execution by nitrogen hypoxia, reports the Associated Press. Alan Eugene Miller shot and killed three men at two of his workplaces in 1999 in the Birmingham area. 
The victims were Michael Holbrooks, Terry Lee Jarvis, and Christopher Scott Yancey. Like the first condemned man to be executed by nitrogen hypoxia last month, Miller avoided an earlier lethal injection execution attempt when the state couldn't access a vein in time. The AG's request to move forward with the execution comes with the backdrop of the debate over whether nitrogen is a humane method. During the first execution, the inmates shook and writhed against the gurney. The push toward unionization continues in Alabama, with the United Auto Workers planning to use $40 million over the next two years to target automobile and electric battery workers, reports AL.com's William Thornton. Now that indicates the UAW is putting effort into getting a foot in the door of the growing electric vehicle business. Even though unionization efforts haven't exactly taken off in the South, Part of that $40 million will be used in our part of the world, and Alabama is home to several companies in the auto industry. A unionization push has been taking place at Vance's Mercedes-Benz plant and Montgomery's Hyundai plant. Right now, a bill is making its way through the Alabama state legislature that would prohibit the teaching of divisive concepts and diversity, equity, and inclusion programs in public schools or universities. Now, they're talking about concepts such as assigning bias to members of a specific race, color, religion, sex, ethnicity, or national origin. Birmingham Mayor Randall Woodfin isn't pleased by the legislation's prospects. AL.com's Greg Garrison reports that Woodfin compared the bill to George Wallace standing in front of the schoolhouse door. He also threatened Alabama where it hurts. On social media, he wrote, quote, Although I'm the biggest Bama fan, I have no problem organizing black parents and athletes to attend other institutions outside of the state where diversity and inclusion are prioritized. Now, we've been boycotted by California before. This could be the first time we've boycotted ourselves. Hey, thanks for hanging with us. We're going to take a break, come back, talk a little bit about that Supreme Court decision. Hey, thanks for coming back. Let's go to John Hammontree. He's going to interview reporter Amy Yerkinen about that Alabama Supreme Court decision. On February 16th, the Alabama Supreme Court ruled that fertilized eggs, in this case frozen embryos used for in vitro fertilization, have the same legal status as children in civil cases. There's a lot of big terms used in this ruling, like extrauterine children, uh, so can you just please expl explain for us in layman's terms what happened and, and why this case is unprecedented? Yeah, so this began with three families in South Alabama who had used a fertility clinic in Mobile. Uh, all three families had successfully used IVF to create pregnancies and to have children, um, but they had extra embryos stored in a cryogenic freezer. Uh, in 2020, a patient who was at the hospital, which was attached to this facility, wandered into that area, which was unlocked, and removed the embryos for these three families, dropped them on the floor, and, you know, destroyed them. So the three families went to court trying to sue for wrongful death and a few other things. Basically, the trial judge threw out that claim, saying that embryos did not count as children. Um, eventually, that case wound up at the Alabama Supreme Court, and that is how we got here. The Supreme Court disagreed with that trial judge and said that 
in Alabama, you know, fertilized eggs and embryos count as children. So that was the reason that this is unprecedented is that there have been efforts to sue for wrongful death in the past for fertility for embryos that have been destroyed in other mishaps. And no other state court has ever recognized that. So Alabama is really the first to say that frozen embryos are children. And we've been hearing from a lot of people, there's a lot of worry and a lot of fret over this ruling and what this could mean for families who are trying to get pregnant, for people who are trying to get pregnant in the state of Alabama right now. And we are recording this on February 21st at 1.45. And just this morning, UAB, the state's largest healthcare provider, announced that they are temporarily pausing IVF treatment. What is their rationale and what does this mean for people who are trying to have children using IVF through UAB? So UAB said they were going to pause this while they kind of looked at all the legal implications. If embryos are children, under civil law, the most immediate concern for them is their, you know, their liability, whether people will file lawsuits whenever this process goes wrong. Not all embryos survive the thawing or the transfer process. That, you know, it's gotten a lot better, but it's not 100%. And so clinics, doctors are, are worried that, you know, there could be lawsuits first off. And there's even some concern out there about criminal prosecution should be clear that the Alabama Supreme Court really didn't broach the issue of criminal prosecution here. They were just looking at a civil case. But if they went out on a limb to basically define a child as a fertilized egg in an early stage embryo, you know, that that does raise a lot of questions. And you have to wonder whether a criminal case could follow. And if it does, you know, what the Alabama Supreme Court is going to do with that. Yeah, if I'm understanding you correctly, they basically said that the Alabama Constitution says that an embryo is a child. And so if they're setting that precedent, it it has not yet, but it could spill over into criminal complaints as well. I mean, that's the concern. Yeah, I think that's, that, that is interesting. For people who haven't gone through this process, how does IVF work? You know, what? how are these embryos stored? How are they implanted? And, and what is the risk of... of unused embryos being destroyed. Yeah. Wow. Well, I guess I should start with, you know, there are a lot of reasons people might use IVF to become pregnant. Like in some cases, women suffering from endometriosis or maybe they have blocked or non-existent fallopian tubes, something like that that won't allow a fertilized egg to travel to the uterus. You know, they may have to rely on IVF. Another big reason is for families that are carriers of genetic diseases. You know, some of these diseases can cause death really early in life. And so families sometimes want to have an embryo that they can test or several embryos that they can test to make sure they're implanting a healthy one. The way it works is that, you know, a woman will take shots for like seven to 10 days to get her eggs to kind of mature. Someone goes in and removes several eggs and they will, you know, fertilize the eggs with you know, in the lab. So that creates these really early stage embryos, fertilized eggs first, and then they become embryos. The, basically, the clinic will go through and, and figure out which of those embryos look like the healthiest ones and then transfer usually one at a time, maybe two at a time, but a small number into the woman's uterus, and then the rest will go into storage. And that's where they're cry cryogenically frozen 
for a later date. Sometimes people come back if they want a sibling and we'll have one of those thawed and transferred. Sometimes they donate them to other people. Other options include donating them to science or in some cases, discarding them. Those may be options that are not available in Alabama anymore. We're still kind of waiting to hear more, but I've heard from families who, who say that clinics have called them and said that they can no longer discard or donate to science. And that's a concern that we're hearing from a lot of readers right now, is that for people who are trying to get pregnant or perhaps have gone through the IVF process and are trying to get pregnant again, what happens to their embryos that are currently being stored? Can they use them through providers like UAB right now while things are paused? Does that mean they're just not taking any new patients or are they not doing any IVF with existing patients? And can those embryos be moved to other facilities? Yeah, I mean, UAB said they are pausing IVF. So I... I don't know if they're doing any transfers at all right now while they figure out, you know, how to move forward. Basically, what this lawsuit endangers mostly are sort of discarding the embryos or donating them to science, both which would destroy, you know, the embryos. And if, you know, those are considered children, then that seems to be against Alabama law. And and that's those may be options that are not available to people. And there's a lot of issues here because sometimes when people divorce, they make arrangements for their frozen embryos and, and often includes like an agreement to discard them. And, you know, some of those arrangements might be null and void at this point. I mean, I think a lot of people are really scrambling here to figure out how this impacts them. And as of right now, the, the state is not going to pay to keep any of these embryos frozen as far as we know, that this would continue to be a cost that's borne by people, by patients at these clinics. As far as I know, and it's not a small cost, it costs hundreds of dollars a year to store frozen embryos. So, you know, I've seen in the four to 600 range. So it's a cost that moving forward could be borne for years and Even potentially, it's been mentioned, you know, after the couple dies, you know, maybe their children even have to sort of pick up this responsibility. Again, these are these are answers we don't have right now. But but yeah, the definite by defining frozen embryos as children, it it certainly raises a lot of questions. And I guess so far we're talking about a case that relates to frozen embryos, but if the Supreme Court is saying that essentially a fertilized egg is a child. Is there Are there any cases right now that would take that out of the realm of IVF and, and put it in the realm of an ectopic pregnancy, for example, or, or a miscarriage? Is there, I, I don't want to fear monger, but is, is there any cases right now that you know of that would would advance this beyond the realm we're talking about right now? Right now, I think this case is just concerning frozen embryos. But if we look in the past, we can see that this is not the first time the Alabama Supreme Court has issued a ruling that sort of redefined a fetus as a child. And that has had consequences for women with who have had you know, miscarriages and stillbirths. I mean, specifically, I'm thinking of the chemical endangerment ruling, which basically took a law that was meant to protect children from in-home meth labs and translated it to apply to women who are pregnant and using drugs. Um, we have since seen that law used against women who experienced miscarriages and stillbirths and who were then prosecuted criminally 
if it was shown that they used drugs, even if sort of the connection between the drugs and the miscarriages was not really, you know, scientifically proven. So I don't know. I, I, I don't want to fear monger either. I think right now this mostly affects patients undergoing IVF and patients who have undergone IVF and who have embryos in storage. I don't necessarily think it affects you know, women who are having miscarriages right now. And in reading the Supreme Court's ruling, there seemed to be an implication that they may feel the law is flawed, but that their hands are tied because this is the law as it is written. Is there any indication that the Alabama legislature is going to address this and to clarify that IVF can continue in Alabama during this session or in future sessions? Are you hearing anything about that? I haven't heard that, but the Supreme Court decision definitely said that the responsibility would be with the legislature if they wanted to put together laws, you know, regarding this. And they said their only job here was to look at the Alabama Constitution and see what it said and interpret it in that light, regardless of what the policy outcomes might be. So it will be up to the legislature to to try to kind of adjust the law to make IVF accessible in Alabama if that's what they choose to do. Finally, you know, this is something that I'm sure a lot of couples are talking about right now. What questions should they be asking each other and what questions should they be asking their healthcare provider, you know, what when trying to figure out ways to to get pregnant in Alabama or or perhaps not in Alabama? Yeah, so this ruling did not make IVF illegal and IVF does not always create excess embryos that need to be stored. There are other ways of doing IVF to just create embryos that you want to use and have implanted. So couples could ask their provider about those options if if that's something they're interested in. Beyond that, it I think it it can be more physically demanding to go that route because sometimes that results in pregnancies with multiples, twins, triplets, and sometimes that means you have to start the process at square one every time you want to get pregnant with a baby. So couples that are interested in in having some embryos frozen, you know, may have to talk about looking out of state depending on what happens next. It's really unclear right now. But yeah, it certainly seems that there are going to be some pretty immediate effects with UAB pausing its program soon. I'm sure we'll start to hear from other fertility centers about what they're choosing to do. And yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if some of them try to move storage out of Alabama. Well, Amy Yerkinen will be covering it up to the minute on AL.com. So please go there for the latest. And Amy, thank you for answering our questions today. Thank you. Hey, thank you all. Well done, guys. Hey, I hope that helped everybody a little bit, uh, answered a couple questions, might have raised a few as well, but um, we appreciate y'all being patient, listening a little longer than a normal day on down in Alabama. We're going to call it a day for us. We will be back here again tomorrow. Until then, y'all come on by and see what we're up to on the internet at al.com. Mm-hmm.